Hello and welcome to Zoho Live. Uh, today I have with me Arthur Goldstuck. Um, Arthur is the founder of Worldwide Works, which is South Africa's leading independent technology market research organization. And he is also an award-winning writer, an analyst, and a technology uh, commentator. He is the author of 19 books, and he also writes a weekly trends column for the Business Times in the Sunday Times newspaper. Um, he has given talks to audiences globally and was inducted into the South African Speakers Hall of Fame this year. So thank you, uh, Arthur. Thank you for being with us today. And Thank um, you, Andrew. It's great to be chatting on this topic. Yes. So let's talk privacy. Um, I know Worldwide Works uh, did a research project recently that was, um, you know, to research privacy in Africa. It was commissioned by us, Zoho. Um, so let's brief, we'll, we'll briefly talk about some of the statistics that came out of that, um, you know, in our, in, our, in our topics today. But I think just so that everyone knows that we've done the research project is now going to be available to the public. Uh, and we'll just get on a few of those points as we go through the, the topics today. All right, so the first topic I wanted to discuss with you is the overall, there were 72% of the respondents of the survey, they did not know about the local privacy laws in their country. Um, but 80% of the businesses said that they'd already have privacy policies in place and that um, you know, they had well-defined documentation. Um, there's a bit of a, you know, it's, they don't really correspond those two figures, not knowing, a lot of businesses not knowing about the privacy laws, but then them saying that they've got these laws in place or they've got their policies in place. So do you think 80% of those um, privacy policies, do you think they're completely poppy compliant or do you think they're maybe missing some legal requirements? Andrew, this is one of the paradoxes of privacy, our theme today being the privacy paradox, and there's a number of them. And this one in particular confuses people because they see compliance with uh, privacy regulations, but they also see ignorance of privacy regulations. And what's really happening there is that over time, most organizations have figured out what they should and shouldn't be doing in terms of looking after the customer. So what you're really seeing there is not so much uh, privacy compliance or privacy awareness, but rather customer awareness and meeting the needs of customers and not overburdening the customer with the idea that they have too much knowledge of who and what you are. We'll obviously unpack that a lot further in this discussion, but the essential privacy paradox there is that if you do right by your customers, you end up doing right by the regulations as well. Yeah, no, definitely. So, I mean, as you said, people are really focused on their customer, but I think it's important now that you know, the Poppy Act is going to be uh, in law as of the 1st of July that they start looking at that closely and making sure that their policies are in align, alignment. Um, so, out of the research paper, 18% um, of the respondents are they're uncomfortable with third-party trackers, but those 18% still don't want to stop using them you know, because it assists them with targeting and, and revenue generation. What is the risk of businesses if they continue to use third-party trackers? Well, the very fact that uh, such a small proportion of uh, respondents were 
wanting to continue using despite being uncomfortable uh, with it tells you that they are really outliers. They haven't uh, yet caught up to the reality of what happens when you are tracking your customers in this way. And there are two essential risks. One is that you'll be deemed to not be taking care of your data that you're collecting in terms of privacy regulations. Poppy in South Africa, the Protection of Personal Information Act in particular, uh, but also the GDPR in Europe and regulations like the GDPR in Nigeria require you to take care of what you're collecting and ensure you're only collecting it for the purpose for which it's needed, but also that it's clearly stated and that the customer is happy with that information being collected. Now, by using third-party uh, trackers, you're not in control of that process. You, in fact, either don't know what's being collected or you're collecting far too much information. Quite ironically, I went onto a, a website yesterday of a major international media house which warned people not to use a particular a web browser because of the amount of information that was being collected. But in order to read the story, you had to accept their cookies that they were planting. And um, I decided to have a look at the cookies because you could fine tune it. And normally most people ignore that. They just accept all. But I went to see what I would be accepting if I accepted all. And what it showed was that they would be collecting information from cookies that had been gathered across something like 40 different sites. So as much as they were trying to warn me of this particular browser, they themselves were gathering an inordinate amount of information. And I'm convinced that if uh, someone reported them or someone decided to take legal action, they'd be in deep trouble. So that's the first significant danger. The other truly significant danger is that you're going to come across to your customer as being excessively creepy, as this site did for me yesterday. Yeah, no, no, definitely. It's 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 very important for, for the businesses to understand that. And in the recent um, iOS, it was the 14.5 privacy update. Um, Apple allowed their iOS users to decide whether they wanted to be tracked or not. And they re released these statistics and it was 87% of them said, no, they don't want to be tracked. So what does this tell us about the future of technology, privacy, and tracking for, for targeted ads? It tells us primarily about the future of uh, working with customers who don't want to be tracked. So aside from privacy regulations themselves, it's warning you that the customer is already deeply suspicious of you tracking them. And the organization that guarantees that the customer is not going to be tracked is also going to win the hearts and minds of the customers, uh, so to speak. But what it also tells us in terms of the future of tracking technology is that it's going to have to be focused on anonymization. And a good example of that is a browser called uh, DuckDuckGo, which is able to sell advertising, is able to target people, but not based on who they are. It's based on what they're searching for. If you're searching for a vacuum cleaner, uh, for example, you want to see information come up about vacuum cleaners, not the pool cleaner that you were looking for uh, the previous uh, week, for example. Now, that's currently what happens, uh, for example, on a Chrome browser. Uh, you search for 
a, a vacuum cleaner and you're also going to get the pool cleaner ads because you bought one last week. It doesn't know you bought it. It just knows you searched for it. And that increases the frustration of the customer who now has that product. They're looking for a different product. Serve them that information and don't worry about who or what they are. You know what they're looking for. So that's what we're going to see more and more of. And I think uh, DuckDuckGo is, in fact, uh, leading the way into that particular future, showing how it can be done successfully and effectively. So what we'll see from a technology point of view is more and more systems and efforts that are geared uh, towards um, identifying you based on your specific need at a specific time rather than your needs over uh, time. And that means that you are, in fact, going to be better served as much as organizations feel they need to have this lifetime picture, this lifetime journey. Um, they'd like to talk about the customer journey where they're able to follow what the customer does over time. The customer doesn't want that. So the technology has to wake up to the new customer journey, which is the journey of right now, not the journey of their lives. Yeah, and, and Arthur, if this trend then continues where people just don't want to be tracked, they don't want their personal information, uh, some people might not even want you know, um, these companies to know that they're searching for specific things, then how can businesses you know, make use of the data that they do have um, and, and really you know, still be able to target and, and, and win business? Well, there are certain uh, levels of leeway that are allowed. As long as you're not collecting information about customers, you can still target them based on what they're searching for. That particular search is not giving away anything about the uh, individual. And in many ways, it also serves the needs of the individual by being able to target them based on what they're searching. Uh, so that requires a fine-tuned form of search targeting. And that seems to be what will be the dominant form of targeting customers um, in the future. The other category there is targeting customers based on what groups of people are looking for or what they might have buy, uh, bought. In other words, understanding group behavior and understanding linked behavior. So people who typically buy one product also typically buy another product. And that will often come out of market research, out of knowing your customers and the like. And you start applying that kind of knowledge as opposed to tracking to how you market to your customers. Okay, perfect. And then for South Africa, for the Poppy Act, uh, it's going to be enforceable on the 1st of July. And GDPR is also enforceable on South African businesses because it doesn't have any boundaries. You know, it's there to protect the European citizens. How can um, you know, businesses prepare themselves for Poppy and GDPR? Well, firstly, of course, businesses have to understand what Poppy requires. But as we discussed earlier, the essential requirement is that you're only collecting information for the specific purpose for which you're using it and you are communicating that to uh, your customer. So your customer then gives permission for that information to be used, but only for that specific purpose. And that's really the long and short of it. There are a lot of nuances uh, to it as well. But what's useful is to understand that Poppy in some ways is more relaxed than GDPR. So if you are compliant with GDPR, then typically you're compliant with Poppy as well. 
the massive difference is that poppy only applies to natural uh, persons, whereas GDPR also applies to organizations. In other words, in South Africa, you can still collect information about companies and you can store that information without fear of what would happen if you have a breach of the information or it's released by mistake and the like. But the moment that information also encompasses personal information, for example, information on the executives of the company and information that makes them identifiable across um, their various activities as well, then of course you're looking for trouble. So you've got to separate the business information from the personal information quite uh, rigidly. And uh, that should then uh, keep you fairly uh, well protected. The other big difference is that if there is a breach that you don't have the kind of rigid time limit that GDPR has. With GDPR, you have to uh, inform your uh, customers within 72 hours of the breach, whereas in South Africa, there's a more reasonable time period. And that's important because what we found in other research on security implementation in this country is that a large proportion of companies don't know they've had a breach until a good few days after, sometimes weeks after. Those are obviously companies that are already in deep trouble because of what's being done to their information without them knowing it. But we do find that a significant number of companies don't have the systems that allow them to uh, track or respond to breaches as they happen. And that obviously is going to become uh, an increasing requirement in uh, the business world, that you have to have systems that let you know as soon as you have a breach. But um, the, I suppose the good news in a way, but it's, uh, it's a poison chalice, as they say. The good news is that if you don't know you've had a breach and you only find out later, uh, then that's not going to render you liable in terms of not having reported it, as long as you do report it once you are um, aware of it. The problem there, of course, is that if you weren't aware that you had a breach, the nature of the breach could imperil your business. So it's imperative on organizations to be able to know that they've had a breach and to report that breach to the authorities and to their customers as quickly as possible. Incidentally, that also over the last few years has been a factor in companies' reputation management. Those companies that try to keep breaches quiet and only informed customers months later saw massive damage to their reputations, and that actually reflected in share prices as well. There's some fairly well-known graphs of share prices suffering uh, almost in direct uh, proportion to the time it took to report a breach. First prize is you don't want to breach, and along with that first prize, I suppose the consolation prize is if you're not collecting personal information of the kind that could compromise your customers, then a breach is not going to have the same impact. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's important that we talk about breaches because a breach can happen even to the technology provider that your company is using. So if one of your staff think that it's a good idea to maybe use this free software, you know, to enter in customer information, which is actually a, an example that, that I've just come across uh, just a few weeks ago, where it was a person in the IT department decided that they would use a free technology for their support desk 
And um, when, when I spoke to them, they said, yeah, it's fine. We just pay because it's got adverts. And we went deeper into the, the, the security and the privacy policies of that technology. And we saw that the, that technology provider was able to access the data that they fed into each support ticket. And when I asked him what you were feeding your support tickets, he said, gee, customer names, telephone numbers, email addresses, products that they have bought, products that they're having issues with. And very quickly, he realized what a big mistake they had made by using this free software. So it's important for companies to understand that they need to use technology that's, that's highly secure because it will play a role if there is an investigation. Andrew, that's a great example because it ties into that mantra that um, if you're not paying for a product, you are the product. And social media companies, of course, perfected uh, that uh, concept. But for a company to be the product of another company is truly asking uh, for trouble because you are using a free product for commercial activities. And those commercial activities come with requirements and regulations. And with that, of course, the risk. So you're using free products that are ad-supported. You, um, in fact, are not mitigating the risk. You're doing the opposite. You are creating risk, building risk into your operations. You're a business. You've got to act like a business. And where it comes to protecting the customer or looking after the customer, you need to use business tools. Using free tools means you're not serious about your business. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and again, you know, it's important for the business to understand that if there's a breach and, you know, the Poppy Act says that you need to take care in protecting information. If you were using uh, technology that wasn't secure, you know, they can find you, you know, negligent or that you didn't take care. And so that's important for people to understand. And Arthur, tell me about AI. What are the implications of, of companies using AI or feeding AI tools people's, you know, personal information. One of my favorite topics, Andrew. Um, AI obviously has implications for every industry and almost every kind of activity that relies on uh, digital processes. And the key uh, to AI in business and the way it's going to be used in the, in the short to medium term for most businesses is to automate processes, although that's a straightforward automation, but it's also to take the data that you are collecting and manipulate the data or process that data in a way that makes it instantly usable to the uh, organization. And uh, machine learning, which is, you could call it the uh, younger sibling of, of AI, is based on that principle that it takes data that's being fed into it, learns from that data, and then uh, produces either new um, understanding of what to do with the data or enhances processes that uh, you have running in your uh, organization. Artificial intelligence takes that a few steps further by enabling decisions, but sometimes automated decisions that you're not uh, controlling or you're not overseeing. And the danger there is allowing the AI to then take your data, manipulate that data, and then create outputs that expose that data or expose the fact that you know more about your customers than you ought to based on privacy regulations, but also based on what the customer would have expected of you. So to, to try to simplify that uh, concept, it's that 
AI has the ability to make your organization far more invasive, far more knowledgeable about the customer, which on the surface is a good thing, but below the surface could mean that you are becoming far too invasive of your customer's life and your customer's uh, sense of their own privacy. The moment the customer feels that the software is too intelligent or that your organization's processes are too intelligent for their comfort because they know when they go to the bathroom, for example, they know about their health needs, uh, for example, all deeply private um, issues, that's when you, in fact, looking for trouble, not just with the customer, but also with uh, the information regulator. Yeah, definitely. And so let's talk about this subject I love is your customer's experience. As you said, if they feel uncomfortable, it's not a good customer experience. What can companies do to make sure that they're offering a really good customer experience? Because at the end of the day, you want your customers to recommend your business to their friends, their families, and their business network. So what can companies do to just put in place a better customer experience? The first thing is to understand uh, what the customer wants out of you. And the second is to understand what you can do for the customer in, in that context. But with the overarching principle of only taking from the, the customer the information you need to be able to pro provide that service and to meet that need of the customer. So if the customer tells you that they really don't want you to know their date of birth, uh, for example, you have to respect that. Now, that's not something you, you're going to get from each customer individually, but your systems should respect that. Now, if you are an alcohol retailer, for example, in many countries, you're obliged to ask the person entering your site their um, date of birth or their year of birth. The uh, truth is that you could get away with saying, asking whether you're over 21 or under 21, if it's the United States, 18 years old, if it's uh, South Africa. But many insist on asking for the actual date of birth. And many people are uncomfortable with giving their exact uh, date of birth. Uh, if they've just turned 21, they're delighted to share that. Um, if they've just turned 51, they're certainly not. So that's a very uh, basic one, a very simple one. There are uh, reasons for giving dates of birth. If you are going to reward them on their birthday, absolutely. But you've got to tell them that. Give us your date of birth and you'll get a reward, not some mingy 10% discount voucher but a significant gift voucher or significant uh, discount voucher that makes it worth their while. So in a way, you are buying that information from them. They are, in a sense, selling it to you, but it's a mutual contract and it's a mutually beneficial uh, contract. The moment it's not, the moment it's just because um, you want to control their access based on that kind of informa information, then you're starting to create a negative customer experience. And uh, that's, that example is symbolic of the customer experience generally with regard to information that you're asking customers to share. You can take that same um, example and extrapolate it, to, extrapolate it to different kinds of information. And you can ask the question, does this piece of information allow me to serve my customer better? But also from the customer's point of view, will giving me that piece of information give them a sense 
of uh, confidence or um, of equanimity, you could say, that this is going to be used to serve me better. If you can answer those kinds of questions in the affirmative, by all means, collect that piece of information, but always transparently. I think that's actually the most important word is transparency, you know, really just communicating to your, your customers why you need the, the certain information. If it's a date of birth, clearly state that we're going to collect this and we're going to reward you on your birthday and, and definitely do that. Don't take the data and not do it. Um, and it's all going to be part of building loyalty uh, and, um, and just building trust with customers going forward. So thank you so much, Arthur, for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Um, for everybody else out there, please follow us. Please share if you feel that others will benefit from our discussions. And we'll bring you more and more interesting info on technology and related topics in the future. So thank you very much again, Arthur. Thanks so much, Andrew. And thanks to the audience.